Welcome to the Jacobs Well Care Podcast. Let me start by asking our listeners a question. Have you ever been in a relational situation where you simply didn't know what to do or what to say to a hurting friend or a family member? I can assume that most of us would answer that question yes. Maybe even some of you, like myself, have said or done things you wish you hadn't while trying to love or care for somebody going through a hardship. I'm Cassie Draper. I've been volunteering with the Jacob Well Care team for about 11, 12 years. Uh, I currently help with our care advocate group, and I serve as their care coach and trainer. And I'm joined today by Amy Westham and Paula Wainscott. They're going to be sharing with us some of the care that they've received while going through difficult seasons of their lives. So ladies, give us a little background about yourself. yourselves. Paula, let's start with you. Okay. Well, thanks for asking me to be here, Cassie. Yeah. It's a pleasure, first of all. And, uh, yeah, let me tell you about myself. I have been a caregiver multiple times, and um, at the same time, um, in 2015, my brother Ron was diagnosed with uh, with pancreatic cancer and um, needed to come and be in hospice with me. Um, During that same period of time, my uh, late husband Chuck was, um, had Alzheimer's. He was living with younger onset Alzheimer's. And so I was caring for the both of them and my mom who was beginning to age and need um, help. So that was sort of my situation and why I was in that caregiving role and why I was searching out people to help me and, um, and people who were not unable to help. Sure. Sure. Amy, can you share a little bit about your story with us? Yeah. Um, So I'm a mom of two teenagers, and I went through my divorce uh, 2015 through 2016. So I'm here today just to kind of um, talk about my experience and how um, care helped and the things that I was missing. I had been married to my high school sweetheart for 12 years, um, the year that we got divorced, But we had been together as best friends to high school sweethearts for nearly 20 years. So our entire support system, our friends, our family had been in our lives, Mm -hmm. almost our whole lives. Um, During the last few years of my marriage, my husband became someone I didn't recognize as alcohol and addiction changed him and changed the life we had. So life changed. Sure. Sure. So it sounds like both of you have stories where... And most of the time when we go through things, it's unanticipated. We don't, you didn't plan on getting a divorce. Paula, you didn't plan on three of your really close family members needing you at the same time and individually, each of those being really hard. Um, And I can guess that both of you had um, experiences that were both helpful um, in the care that you received from other people and hurtful during those times. So we'll start with the helpful piece. Paula, do you mind sharing with us a couple of situations that stand out to you that um, those caring for you while you were caring for other people uh, that were particularly helpful? Sure. Um, When you're dealing with a caregiver, um, the gift that was most precious to me was the gift of time. I literally had no time for myself. Um, I was living with somebody who was deeply confused and needed care 24 hours a day, 
and then had the additional responsibility of caring for other people as well. And so I had no time. So what was most appreciated is when people um, would just be willing to come and spend even an hour um, at my home entertaining uh, Chuck and just being with him so I could lay down and take a nap or even make a phone call to my daughter. I was literally unable to do those kinds of things. So I would say that is like the number one way to help almost any caregiver um, is to be able to think of a way that that, um, you can just make time for them. Uh, meals were also a wonderful thing, uh, but but number one was just hanging out with us, just having time. Sometimes even just coming over, even um, to converse with us, yeah. because um, it was so hard to have social interaction, and I really needed that. So sometimes just for even people to come over and say, hey, we'd like to stop in and have coffee with you today. I was just hungry for adult interaction. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be refreshing. And I'm glad that you recognize the need to care for yourself during that time. And I think from caring for some, trying to care for somebody who is caring for somebody who's in that caregiver role, um, not everybody would necessarily recognize the need to care for themselves. So even planting that seed, right, Paula, to just, you know, hey, why don't I come over so you can take time to do whatever it is you want or need to do and just to allow them, um, give them permission almost to take time to care for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just just having that time to do the things I needed to to do mm-hmm. um, was so helpful. Yeah, I can imagine it was. Amy, how about you? Your situation's pretty different, but were there times that stuck out to you that were really helpful and people cared for you during the divorce? Yeah. Um, you know, in where Paula said she was craving um, just other people around, mm-hmm. I had sunk into a horribly deep depression. Um and locked myself up, both physically, mentally, just, um, and the people in my life didn't let me. Okay. Um, My best friend would just, I don't know, show up Hmm. um, when I didn't even tell her I needed her, you know, that's, um, she knew you needed the beauty it. of somebody that, um, has that like direct heart link to you was, hmm. gosh, she sounded funny on the phone. I think I need to come over. Yeah. That's um, beautiful. and then, you know, as trying to figure out being a mom by myself, um, and caring for my children by myself, going through a deep depression, um, aside from my best friend showing up, Anytime I didn't even ask or need, or know I needed it, but she did. Um, I had friends and coworkers that would show up with meals, and I hadn't even realized I forgot to feed my kids. Sure. So those are huge things that I look back, and it was a, a time that is really easy to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I look back, and... Um, one of the biggest things um, that was 
I would have never guessed it was this big until every Christmas. Now, um, when I was married, we used to go and get our real Christmas tree, and it was a great big celebration. Christmas is my favorite holiday. I always had my house completely decorated before Thanksgiving, and it was decorated all the way through January. Like, I loved Christmas. And um, that year, I did not want to celebrate it. Um, My husband moved out in October, and things just didn't seemed to look up. Um, One of my friend's husbands showed up at my house one day. I was at work. My kids were at home with a tree. Oh, wow. And um, they knew how much that meant to you, I bet. Yeah. So I have that tree every year. Hmm. I'm going to have it for as long as I possibly can. I'll probably super glue that sucker together. (laughs) But it just reminds my kids and I, like, people came. They showed up when... Right. We didn't know how to ask for it. So, right. So it sounds like both of you are a little bit on the same page, but just that time that people yeah. were just there. Yep. Whether they had a meal or not, they were there. Mm-hmm. And that's what mattered. Yeah. So, flipping that a little bit, can either of you think of some, you know, hurtful things? Not that, you know, our loved ones never mean to hurt us, they never mean to do harm. But sometimes you say things that aren't helpful. Um, yep. So, Amy, do you have anything specific that comes to mind that wasn't as helpful during that time? I do. Um, it was really hard. Um, I think it was kind of a turning point in my relationship with my parents. Um, and I kind of had to get my feet under myself to tell them how it was affecting me, but it took a long time. Um, nobody wants to get divorced. Mm-hmm. You don't go into your marriage anticipating it. I work for the court system, and I am in at least five divorces a week. Sure. Not one of those people that walk through the courts want to be there. They don't want to get divorced. They probably still love their spouse. Um, and my parents are great, but they were hurting too. Mm-hmm. And But they were hurting in a way where they were trying to protect me and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I couldn't tell them how I was feeling because they were so stuck in their own anger against him that when I would share, the way they came back at me made me feel like I was wrong to still love him or um, I should have seen things long before I did. Um, And it took a long time to kind of put my foot down and say, you know what, I get that you are hurting and upset too, but I need you to understand I was the one that lived it. My kids were the ones that lived it, and we just need you to love us. And to be there. And yeah. to support us, and not tell us all the horrible thing. or me, I made it very clear that he is half of my children, or my children are half of him. Don't bring anything poor about him in front of my kids, but yeah. I still loved him. I still love him. He is the father of my children. He gave me the most two perfect blessings Mm. of my life. So um, even today, it's hurtful, even though some, I think they think that they're being helpful and standing up for you. And it's, it's just, it's not. So it's not um, helpful to hear. No. Yeah. Yeah. That had to be hard, I imagine. How about you, Paula, and caring for your husband or thereafter? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think what was mostly hurtful for me were just um, 
people who I really felt were my friends, and and they were my friends, but just totally pulled away. Mm. There's so much stigma with a disease like Alzheimer's or any sort of thing that even sounds like mental health, that um, people almost seemed afraid of us. I felt like somebody with leprosy. Mm. It was people that um, had been Chuck's friends and just when they got word of the diagnosis, um, did nothing, uh, never called, never came back to visit, uh, that that hurt deeply. Yeah. And as I look back, I mean, I, I understand um, it's a grieving process. So many people were just in denial, but okay. um, that truly, um, truly hurt. Um, also, people who didn't believe me actually had a family member telling other family members that I was making up this diagnosis, but none of it was yeah. true, <laughs> which like, I never could figure out why anyone would think <laughs> you would possibly make up a diagnosis right. like that. Um, but um, yeah, I would, I, those were the things when people just ignored it or even for people to say, oh, he looks like he's doing really well, and or you're doing so good. And it was like, just please ask me, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, and yes, sometimes Chuck could function, but people had no idea of how he could pull himself together for a short time. And that meant later in the day when we were alone, he would just fall apart because sure. it was taking so much energy um, to um, to focus and have that short-term attention. So those were some of the things that were really difficult for me. Yeah, and it sounds like people weren't willing to step into that in order to see the reality of what your life was. Yeah, I, I mean, possibly so. Um, just not willing or just afraid. You know, sure. these weren't bad people, yep. um, but they just, didn't know what to do, and so they chose to do nothing, and um, that hurt. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of knowing what to do or um, what not to do, what kind of advice do you have for somebody who says, what, you know, you know, Paula, if somebody came to you and said, um, my sister's husband just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's or a terminal, mm-hmm. whatever it, whatever it is. What do I do? What do I say? What would your advice be to them? Um, well, the first thing I would tell them is pull closer um, and pull closer for the long term. These illnesses are often not short term illnesses and people are going to need you for a very long time. Um, so pull closer, um, talk with them, ask them what what they need. And sometimes truly as caregivers, we're so overwhelmed, we don't even know what we need. Sure. So just beginning a discussion and, and ask, you know, what is your day like? And are there um, times that you feel lonely or what's the most difficult thing for you? Um, just use some of those conversational strategies to get a feel for what they're living, uh, that's going to help you figure out a lot more ways that you can help. Um, again, just socially, they're very, very socially isolating mm-hmm. 
um, conditions. And so anything that you can do, and uh, we're just continuing to foster that relationship you always had. If you used to go out for lunch, you know, monthly, um, don't stop that. Continue to do that. They'll tell you if it's too much and they can no longer do it. But um, continuing uh, the normalcy of those relationships is, um, is, is very, very helpful. Yeah, that's great um, advice and, because helpful for and, you, but also helpful for Chuck to maintain yeah. that regular, that routine. Yeah, absolutely. One thing um, that I desperately wanted at that time was just to be able to go to church. I could no longer go to church. church uh, Chuck was not able to sit through the service. And I'll tell you, um, to have had somebody... Um, respond to that need would have been so amazingly wonderful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was something you didn't anticipate ever needing, but if somebody doesn't approach you and offer it, it's, it's probably difficult to ask for that help. Right. It, it is, it is hard. It is hard to ask for those things. Um, And, and to be honest, I even did ask for those things and um he, again people were kind of afraid and um uh and pulled away yeah. uh, so part of it is just learning about that disease or yeah. having talked to me a little bit more on what is he like and what I need to be afraid and or here's why I'm afraid to do that even if I could understand why people um pulled away from those things it yeah. would have been helpful in some ways Right, to process that with them. And I know when we had emailed a little bit about this prior, um, you had said, you know, if you ask, you know, a lot of times our go-to is, if you need anything, let me know. And you had said not to accept, I don't know, for an answer. Or no, I don't need anything to ask. To then open the conversation up, like you had said, to specific questions that, could I stop by and mow the lawn and things like that? Exactly, exactly. Offering some of that very specific help, you know, do you need, do you need meals? Um, um, it sounds like you don't have a lot of time. What, what's something I could do that would be helpful? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> just, yeah, you've got a big one. Do you, does it need mowing? Um, are there things. Chuck used to be really good about fixing things around the house. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any anything I could fix? You know, I, I yeah. just, yeah, being kind of aware of those things. I, I mean, the people that helped the most were friends who saw I had that need and didn't wait for me to call. Yep. They were calling me. They were saying, we're going to stop by or mm-hmm. we're thinking that you guys might like to go for a ride um, are you available on Tuesday? Yeah, those were um, those were people that just I felt so cared for. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, those were the same people that didn't ignore me after Chuck died. They continued to be there for me. Um, that's when you know that you just have a really precious friend. Yeah, and I'm glad that you did. Amy, how about you? Is there anything differing from that that you would... Not, not really. Um, I know 
at least for myself, um, I was already a failure. Oh, I wasn't, but you, you get yep. stuck in your head. Um, so there is no way I could ask for help. And I could not make it look like I could not do this by myself. Sure. Um, so people offered to help all the time. I always said, oh, no, I got it. Don't worry about it. I could carry the weight on my shoulders. You can't. You were trying, um, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I was not going to let anybody see that I could not sure. do it by myself, and I was weak. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that, like Paula said. Yeah. Like, people are going to say. But I would tell people, don't give an open offer to help. Sure. Be specific. The people that rallied in my corner met the needs I never asked for. Hmm. Um, and like Paula said, they're the people that are close to you. They are the ones that can see the need that you have that you haven't even recognized for yourself. Or that you're refusing. Or you're refusing. Accept. Yep. 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 Um, there was no way I was going to call any of my kids' friends' parents and say, I need to be in like three places at five o'clock tonight. Is there a way you could like yeah. bring Max to baseball practice? No way. But the friends that would say, oh my, and the people that came and told, asked or told me they were going to do things, put it in a way like they weren't finding me as not capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. But like um, one of my friends would be Literally, she said, it's so silly for us to both drive to mm. Seymour for baseball practice. Why don't I just bring the boys yeah. and bring them home? They didn't put me in a position where I felt like I couldn't do it. Sure. They put it in a way like... Just makes sense. Just makes sense. Yeah. Let's all save some gas money. Um, so leaving those open-ended offers, get rid of those. Sure. Do something con or offer something concrete. Yeah. And don't take no for an answer, like Paula said. Yeah. Like, if you say, I'm going to bring you a meal, yeah. don't ask, can I bring you a yeah. meal? Say, I need to know, what are you allergic to? Is there anything the kids won't eat? Because I'm feeding you on Monday. <laughs> That's great. Just That's great tell them what you're going to do. Yep. Yep. That's great. Well, thank you, ladies. Those are... It's good to have insight into different situations because we all, in some way or another, we're all caring for somebody, whether it's right now or it was last year or it's years to come that this is valuable information to help me. And we've all been in situations where I've never, I've never been affected personally by divorce or I've never been affected with somebody with dementia. I don't, I don't know the situation. I don't know what to do. And really... You know, judging by what both of you had said, just show up. Offer yourselves with specific things. Just be there. And Paula, I really liked what you said too with just keep the same routine. Don't pull back, you know, press into that fear um, and trust that God's got a place for you in that relationship. So don't pull away. So that was beautiful. Well, I want to thank both of you for being here with us today and I'll close us in prayer. So thank you both very much. Thank you for having us. <clears throat> Yes, thanks so much. Yeah. Lord, thank you for Jacob's Well. Thank you for the care team at Jacob's Well and just the ability to equip others to be able to care well. Um, each of us, Lord, give us the boldness and the courage to step into those hard situations um, when those you've placed in our lives are going through something difficult, whether we're familiar with it or not. 
Um, give us the boldness and the courage to step in and serve and offer ourselves and listen and just be there, even if it's just showing up to say, hey, I'm here, put me to work. Or let's sit down and have a cup of coffee so, you know, you can you can have some of some you time. Whatever it is, Lord, just help us to be there. Help us to be your hands and feet. Um, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to be your hands and feet. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.